Eric Estep here. One of my favorite parts of being a NASCAR fan is collecting diecasts. It's how I got my start on YouTube, actually. To me, a room is not complete until it features shelves of NASCAR diecast cars. It's as good a time as ever to continue your collection or begin an all-new one by pre-ordering your favorite driver's 2022 next-gen diecast at LionelRacing.com or at any authorized Lionel retailer. Lionel is the official diecast of NASCAR, and don't miss Lionel Racing's NASCAR Authentics diecasts at a Walmart or Target near you. Not only is Lionel the official diecast of NASCAR, but they're also official supporters of the Out of the Groove Podcast Network. So what are you waiting for? Head to LionelRacing.com to order your favorite driver's 2022 diecast. This is Authenticated. The Diecast Collectors Podcast from Lionel Racing. In case you missed us, we're back. The Authenticated Podcast, the podcast for you, the Diecast Collector, is back for Season 2, and we couldn't be any more excited to get Season 2 kicked off because that means we are just a few short weeks away from NASCAR on-track action. The Bushlight Clash at Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum later on this month, followed by, of course, the Daytona 500 weekend down in Florida. And it's going to be so exciting, so many cool headlines, so much news, so much action getting ready to ramp up here in the NASCAR world as we get ready for the 2022 season. And uh, this is Matt Kenfield from Lionel Racing joining you, as always, plus Michelle Fannin and Alex Pullman. Michelle and Alex, thank you for being here again for Season 2 after a couple of weeks off. Hope everybody's rested. Santa Claus was good to you. Everybody everybody good? Get through the holidays all right here? Yeah. Yeah, we definitely got through it. Holiday's pretty good. How about you, Michelle? Had a great Christmas. Um, Little snow day. Over the weekend in North Carolina. So that is always interesting to watch people drive and attempt to get out of their driveway in my neighborhood anyway. You know what would really suck, Michelle, is if you were trying to move in the middle of a snowstorm, an ice storm. That would be just terrible. It would be awful. Um, Alex, what do you think about that? I think everybody who wished for snow, I don't like you right now. Why would that be? (laughs) We we had to move in the middle of a snowstorm. And there's more expected Friday as we're moving all this week. But you know what? You will have great stories to tell of the uh, process of moving from home to home. And, uh, you know, congratulations on that. You just closed yesterday and took time out of your busy schedule to come here. And uh, uh, but it was a uh, an exciting offseason. Lots of news to get to. And uh, we've also got a special guest in studio later on in the show. And he's a champion. Say no more than that. We will uh, we will tease that appearance for you as uh, a 2021 NASCAR champion will be with us later on in the show here on Authenticated. Just stay tuned. And, uh, well, heck, we've already promoted who it's going to be. It's Daniel Hemrick. He will be here with us in just a little while uh, on the Authenticated podcast to talk about his 2021 NASCAR Xfinity Series Championship as well as his plans with colleague racing in 2022, both on the Xfinity Series side and in the NASCAR Cup Series as well. So uh, lots to talk about with Daniel, and we will get to that in just a little bit. But first, we got to talk about all the big news over the last couple of weeks in NASCAR. 
As mentioned, a lot of exciting news over the last couple of weeks in NASCAR since the last time we joined you here on Authenticated. And uh, one of the big headlines, of course, is Eric Almarola announcing his retirement at the end of the 2022 season. And uh, I don't know about you ladies, but I did not see that one coming. I didn't either. And I have to say, though, that the way that Eric announced the uh, retirement or upcoming retirement with the video that he made, I thought was really well done and heartfelt. I mean, I was a little touched by his yeah. message and the video that he put together. I thought it was really sweet. Yeah, he's almost rolling out at the end of the season. Oh, I see what you did there. How punny you are. <laughs> yes, uh, but uh, kudos to him for go- kind of going out on his terms too. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's easy and we've seen it. Some guys that have had success in the series just kind of fizzle and run some back marker team, start and park, whatever it might be towards the latter part of their career. But uh, Eric Almarola, you know, won a race last year. He's won a couple of races over the last couple of years, qualified for the playoffs. He's a, you know, a con- he's not necessarily a consistent top five guy, but, you know, he, he's a consistent top 10, top 12 kind of racer. Yeah, he's performing well. Right. Yes. And, and the Stuart Haas team uh, is certainly behind him and will give him every opportunity to succeed in 2022 to uh, kind of go out on a high note. So it'd be really interesting to see how that plays out through the course of the 2022 season, and uh, uh, which will kick off, of course, uh, at Daytona International Speedway for the points-paying races, at least. Uh, the Daytona 500, a sellout. That's uh, that's pretty imp- that's pretty impressive in the in the days of uh, you know COVID and whatnot to to be able to announce that you have a sold-out sporting event. Yeah, is pretty and impressive. it's earlier than pre-COVID sellout announcements, I feel like. I feel like they announced this one fairly early. So um, that was exciting to see. And I know, um, Matt, you and I are going to be there. I'm really looking forward to going uh, to the Daytona 500. It's been a while since we've been able to go to the track. Looking back on it, what was it? Uh, 2020, we went to the Daytona 500. And that was like just literally just a couple of weeks. Barely made it in. Before... COVID just totally shut everything off. Like I almost forgot when uh, earlier today I was talking to a buddy of mine, you know, about the last time I went to Daytona and I was like, man, 2020 seems so long ago. Hasn't a lot happened. And a lot of crap has gone down since then. So um, you all, it it, it goes by like a blur sometimes uh, what all has and has not happened, but it's been that long since we were last in Daytona uh, from a company perspective, at least. Um, Yeah. there's certainly been a few races there uh, in that interim, but uh, you know I, I know that we are looking for if for no other reason because uh, like Alex touched on earlier in the show about uh, the weather that's been really lousy here, uh, <laughs> being able to to go down to sunny South or Central Florida, and, and I feel bad that we're talking about all this stuff with Alex. And, yeah, I don't get to go, so yeah, I'm very jealous. That's okay. You'll be living in your you're staying in your new house, nice and you know, yeah, nice we, and we'll FaceTime you from our beachfront condo. That's right. That's right. <laughs> It'll we, be just like you're there. We actually do. <laughs> Yeah, just, Can I just put my, I'll just do like one of those flat Stanleys if you just take yeah. me with you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I would say, you know, the four maybe times that I've been to Daytona with Lionel racing uh, over the years, I think every time uh, I and some of the sales team take selfies in Victory Lane and send to Alex the first day that we're down there just to rub it in a little bit that we're down there. I was there that one time. You were. Yes, that's true. That is true. Yes. But uh, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to get, get out into the uh, beautiful weather there in Daytona and uh, uh, really looking forward to all the on track action there. And uh, even before we get there, 
which is kind of crazy to think that we're going to technically open the season at someplace other than Daytona, but Las Vegas, or Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, the Bushlight Clash, will kick off. It's a non-points event, but still it kicks off the on-track action for the Cup Series, and uh, the track layout looks looks really cool. Yeah, they have got a lot. I mean, they've done a lot of work, and, and, and it looks great. In a very short amount of time, yeah, like you said. So, you know, a, a lot of fans have differing opinions of this race. A lot of fans are, you know, there, there's still some unknowns and different COVID protocols for this right, race. Right, that yes. You know, it, it's going to be a total different departure from what, the normal NASCAR, I'm doing air quotes for people who can't see me, the normal NASCAR procedures and, you know, normal right. NASCAR starts of the season. But what the hell has been normal lately? Nothing. <laughs> I can't wait to see it, though, because it's just so different and out of the realm of like what you said, out of what we're used to, that it's just, you know, something different to see and it's going to be a great show. And, and it's an exhibition race, right? It's supposed right. to be entertainment. It's I think if you nothing. just take it for an exhibition race, I mean, NASCAR's making a big bet on this. Yes. It'll be fun to watch. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And realistically, yes, it is for the passionate diehard NASCAR fans. It's for people like us that know and appreciate everything about what goes on on the racetrack and in the shops and stuff like that. But what NASCAR's trying to do is broaden the fan right. base a little bit. Sure. You know, it, Los Angeles, yeah, there's California Speedway or Auto Club Speedway, I believe it's called now, but uh, it, it's still not in you know, the urban areas of Los Angeles, like uh, the Memorial Coliseum is. I mean, it, it is it is a very diverse, uh, you know, aesthetic around there. And they have some hip hop acts. They, you know, they just announced Ice Cube's going to perform at a race break. That's and fantastic. Pitbull's going to yeah. be there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that this race is not for us right. a, as the diehard fans, because it is, but it's also for the fans that might not know a whole lot about this sport and might, you know, hey, maybe I'm a big Pitbull fan, so I'm, hey, there's a, I consider it a concert. I spent my 20 bucks to go to the race, but, you know, I'm going to a concert, but, hell, this race is a lot of fun, yeah. too. and the Super Bowl's there the next weekend, so right. you're going to draw all those folks. I just think, you know, NASCAR needs to reach new fans, needs to show that it wants to reach different fans, and I think this is a step in that direction. I mean, that's part of what they need to do, right? right? So why not? Let's go for it and let's see what happens. And I like the tie-in with Pitbull because, you know, he's co-owner of Trackhouse. So right. not only is it a musical act who are, you know, Pitbull has his own fan base with his music, but it also ties in that he's also a performer and a part owner in this sport. Right. So, he's, he's invested yeah. in it. Right. Yeah. And Ice Cube's from L.A. So, I mean, and I like country music. I have nothing against country music or classic rock but those are typically the acts that perform at a nascar sure. race we right. need something different right. you need to bring new life not every race fan likes that type of music so i'm glad to see something new right Do you yeah. think ice cube will change the words and make it today is gonna be race day um we will see yeah I'd you know, uh, I, I'm I'm excited for that race because it's going to be the first time when we can actually see guys trading paint with this next gen car. Uh, you know, there, there's it's going to appeal to the diehards. You know, the, the the ones that you know following on social media. There, there's lots of you know not my NASCAR kind of kind of guys. You know, the the three for Dale type fans that 
don't want this. But you know what? I can tell you every Saturday night when there's 15,000 people watching Modified Race at Bowman Gray Stadium, which is a layout very similar to what this Memorial Coliseum is going to have, that this is not some gimmick race. This is yeah. this is going to be everything that you appreciate about NASCAR from the, you know, hot tempers and the trade mm-hmm. and paint and the technological, you know, there's so much technology involved in these new cars and how they're going to hold up over, you know, banging into each other and banging off of walls and stuff like that, just seeing what these cars are even going to do. When you when you peel back the, you know, when you peel it back, you know, like the layers of an onion kind of thing, yeah, at first it's like, why are we doing this? Yeah. But then as you tear into it, you're like, you know what? There's a lot more to unpack from this race than, uh, you know, th- than most. And maybe even just doing the, the clash at Daytona because the clash at Daytona, I, I love racing at Daytona. But realistically, you're tearing up a lot of cars. Right. And, you know, most of the guys run the risk of getting taken out in the big one there. And then your favorite driver's out of it. But here, you know. You know, we will see, but most of the time, if you're just going to get spun out at this track and maybe backing into the fence, you should be able to drive away and still have a shot to go back and race for the win. Which is good when you consider there has been some press lately about part shortages and issues with the next gen car and are they going to have enough cars so you know like you said all that remains to be seen but i'm looking forward to it i think it'll be a fun race and we touched a little bit about the uh, covid protocols that are going to be out there in los angeles so kudos to Stuart haas racing for uh coming up with a new position that i don't think any of us uh, you know saw on the horizon or a, a, a position that there was a need for but turns out there really is a uh, a reserve driver position that ryan priest just got signed to with Stuart haas racing so if a driver should uh god forbid test positive for covid at any point or for whatever reason you know have to miss a race there is a standby driver that is familiar with the car familiar with the team familiar with the crew chiefs you know kind of on the payroll already in the shop working in the simulators and all that that can step in relatively seamlessly to uh to try to battle for a win so how uh, smart is that i mean i would if i was another race team i think i would want to take a page out of that playbook potentially if i didn't already have somebody on call in reserve and typically we've seen you know guys get called out of the xfinity series or something like that to do that which is all well and good but those guys aren't necessarily in you know i'm thinking of like a jrm driver going to drive a hendrick car they're not in the hendrick shop all the time working with those crew chiefs working in and the cars are brand new now right working on the cup simulator stuff um uh, that like ryan priest will be now so i you know maybe maybe there are drivers like that and actually drew herring's kind of been that way with jgr for a few years too does a lot of their testing does a lot of their r&d work and things like that um but he just necessarily hasn't had to fill in for the cup drivers he's done some xfinity races but uh uh you know kudos to Stuart haas racing to bring somebody into their fold like ryan who is you know a proven commodity in nascar won a couple of xfinity series races and uh you know gave that jtg car everything that it could have last year um uh, last couple of years for that matter so uh you know bring somebody that's certainly talented enough to be in that position uh and and probably pretty smart on Ryan's perspective too, knowing that that 10 car is going to be open and, you know, we don't know how much longer the four car is going to be filled and, you know, Harvick could race for another 10 years. He could race for another one or two, you know, we just don't know. So, uh, kudos to priest to kind of align himself better. I guess we can say there's no guarantees that he will get any of those rides, but at least align himself in position to, uh, to vie for a spot. If the one is available to him. 
But uh, that's just a couple of the, the brief little headlines here over the last couple of weeks. Certainly more news to come. Uh, but before we do that, we've got to talk Fresh Paint Diecast. This week in Fresh Paint, where we bring you all the latest diecast releases, and I know you fans of Joe Gibbs Racing Drivers are excited because just in the last day or so, we have released a couple of really exciting cars for Denny Hamlin, his number 11 FedEx Express Toyota Camry, and Kyle Busch's number 18 Interstate Batteries Camry, and uh, Michelle, those drivers are definitely some of our top sellers, and I know fans have been really been itching to see cars for those two drivers this year. They have. We were excited to release them. Um, we were hopeful that we could do it earlier, but we were glad that we could do it um, this week. They're definitely two of our best sellers. That Interstate Batteries car is def- is colorful. It's exciting. Um Interstate Batteries has been with Kyle Busch for so long and with Joe Gibbs Racing. I've gosh. From the beginning. Yeah, from the beginning. Yeah. So they're a staple sponsor, as is FedEx with Denny Hamlin. So um glad that that's out there finally and fans can get their hands on the die cast. It's really interesting to see, you know, those two sponsors in particular. And, you know, yes, Kyle Busch has been with M&M's Mars for a long time and that relationship is coming to an end here. Um, uh, but Interstate Batteries, the very first sponsor of Joe Gibbs Racing 31 years ago. That's crazy that there has been that long of a relationship. Yeah. And FedEx, since the 11 team was founded, you think uh, Jason Leffler drove a FedEx mm-hmm. car there and uh, you know, J.J. Yaley, I believe, drove mm-hmm a FedEx car at JGR. So, um, and it's been with Denny Hamlin since he's been in the cup series. So it's, those are dime a dozen kind of things because those, that never happens that a sponsor and team relationship can last as long as those two have. Uh, also fresh paint. We've got some really cool die cast releases, including Reem and Kevin Harvick teaming back up with the number four Reem Ford Mustang, really good looking car there out of the SHR stable. And uh, a couple of, for you Chase Elliott fans, a couple of releases. The Napa and Lumar cars have been released, both of them getting refreshed on the next-gen vehicle, uh, especially that Napa car. That looks really sharp. And uh, uh, also some releases for Daniel Suarez. We've got the number 99 Comscope, William Byron's number 24 Exalta, Ross Chastain and Eric Almarola's number 10 Smithfield. And also just released Corey LaJoy Schluter Systems number seven, just releasing as well. So we've got these and more at lionelracing.com, or you can order by calling 1 800 952 0708, or check out other authorized Lionel Racing dealers. Plus, check out our Instagram story and our Instagram story gallery of all the fresh paint releases over the last couple of weeks. That's going to do it for fresh paint this week, and we will be back in just a minute with the champ, Daniel Hemrick, here on Authenticated. Welcome back to Authenticated. We have a special guest in studio here uh, to welcome our show back for season two now. Uh, We've been off, as we talked about earlier, we've been off for just a couple of weeks, but uh, rocking and rolling, getting ready for 2022. And uh, so is the gentleman that joins us now on Authenticated. That's right, folks. The champ is here. Daniel Hemrick, 2021 NASCAR Xfinity Series champion, joining us here on Authenticated Live and in studio. And Daniel, it's great to see. It's great to see anybody these days, but uh, (laughs) it's really great to see you and have you a part of our show here today. And uh, I can only imagine what the last couple of months have been like for you. To actually be sitting down in one room like this is probably rare for you these days, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, first off, uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely a, a bit rare to be able to sit down and just kind of hang out for a minute and, and discuss, you know, motorsports and, and diecast and, and things that that we've all uh, been fortunate to, to live and experience over the last couple of years. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, 
quite the intro with the whole champion thing. You know, we've had production day over the last couple of days, and first time I saw that, you know, Xfinity patch that says champion oh, wow. on it. So that was a bit of a kind of a light bulb went off, like, hey, man, we did something pretty cool last year. So, no, it's been good. It's good to, good to be here, good to be sitting down with you. Well, we're going to talk a lot about what happened in 2021. Also, uh, push fast forward and, and and talk about 2022. But uh, you know, you mentioned that having seeing that patch for the first time, the champion logo, and and knowing that your name is attached to it. Have you had the time to kind of reflect on being called the Xfinity Series champion to this point yet? You know, honestly, there there are moments, yes, that, that you've been able to reflect back. Um, but you like you like you also said. I mean, it's been a bit of a whirlwind since that last hundred feet of that championship <laughs> race at Phoenix, um, between getting back and, and, you know, celebrating with your guys that have, you know, put their heart and soul out there, you know, put on the line for you for the last you know entire season. And, uh, your family wants to get together. Your sponsors want to get together. You know, you got your banquets. And my point is there hasn't been much time for the reflection part of it. Um, I, I did try to take an hour. I think it was, it was about an hour and, you know, my wife and I, Kenzie, have a year and a half year old at home, and and um, there's there's very little uh, little amounts of, of time like that you get to take. But I get you got to take an hour and finally watch the race back about uh, probably about two or three weeks after the race, mm. and just kind of you know see from the fans' perspective what it was like um, because you know in the moment for me being able to uh, you know think back to that moment, uh, it, you know that race in particular, a lot of things just kind of slowed down and and seemed like you know it just kind of worked out the way you had your moves planned, but watching how fast it actually happened in reality and reflecting back on that, I thought that was a, that was a cool little hour I, I got to spend there a couple of weeks after the race, but I've, I've tried to enjoy it, man. Just tried to, you know, anybody that knows me knows that a lot of my decisions and, and um, you know, paths have been just kind of whatever was there and for me at the time. So um, celebrating this championship has been no different. We've been kind of going along with the path and just seeing where it takes us, and we've enjoyed it along the way. So when you watched the race back were you impressed with the moves that you made there? Because just as us watching her, like, oh man, that's that's incredible. I mean, were you were you kind of even surprised that you made those moves that you made? Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, for me, in the middle of it, I, I thought I'd given it away. I think I said that in some of my post race interviews, like, didn't have the run. I feel like I needed coming to the white flag. Right. And uh, watching it back, I mean, I felt like coming into turn three on the last lap of the race, you know, behind Austin Cindric, he had actually momentum on me. And he was half a car, three quarters of a car out in front of me, and feel like if he goes in and wraps the bottom of the corner, that I probably don't have a shot. And he gave me three feet, um, three feet to the bottom. And watching that back, that was so eye-opening. Where because I, I, you have your you have your own perception of how it went down, and then to see it, I'm like, man, that was such a subtle, subtle mistake that honestly the viewers may not even see or notice. Right. And to be able to, to kind of hone in on that and check that out, that was, that was pretty cool to, to relive that from a different perspective. When you look back at that race, in, 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 a, in particular that last you know two-lap run there after the last green flag, when you had a teammate, made, almost made it three wide. He, he actually did make it three wide with yeah. you at one point. Did, did any part of you say, okay, Harrison, please don't mess this up for me because <laughs> I got something here? Because, you know, watching it as a fan, you know, I want to see you guys duel it out for the championship, yeah. right? Because, you know, nothing against Harrison. He's a great little race car driver. But don't mess that up for those guys. Is there <laughs> any part of that that went through your head too? Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, we actually believe it or not, leading into the week, um, JGR was, is very, very formal on, on our meetings and our schedules and make sure we're all on the same page going into every given weekend. So, you know, we had, a, as a company, you know, at JGR going into Phoenix, we had myself and the 54 running for the owner's championship. You had 
Um, you had uh, back up here. You had Harrison, you know, trying to end his tenure there at JGR on a high note. You know, everybody's kind of there's always these little races within the race, right? And um, you know, me and John Hunter went at it, and Cindric, the three of us, all night. And then as the race winds down, Harrison's right in the middle of the battle, like you said. So, uh, but that being you know that being the discussion here, you know, I think Harrison was very. He's very wise, first off, for his age. He he's, seems like he's been around forever, but he's still very young. But he's he's, he's very race-savvy. So he understood the, the magnitude of the situation. And he, not say he gave us anything, but I think he was uh, he was very sure to let us go battle it out. So I was thankful for that. When you took the checkered flag, and obviously you're celebrating, did your trademark backflip, which, uh, you know, I saw you do plenty of times in Legends cars and late models <laughs> yep, and stuff yep. like that. But uh, obviously it had been a while since since you got a chance to do it again. My legs knew that too, by the way. <laughs> I, 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 I bet they did. All that JGR, uh, you know, performance workouts that you had to do, right. you know, you, you did plenty of leg days, I'm sure, <laughs> before and after that. But yep. uh, um, when, when the dust kind of settled and you, you did your media obligations and things like that, when people came up to you and said, congratulations, I'm sure there was a lot more than just congratulations. There were the, you know, the pit crew guys that have known you since those legends cars and late yep. model days and saw the blood, sweat and tears. What has been the reaction that you've seen from the people that were there from the beginning of Daniel Hemrick? Not, you know, not just the, the pit crew guys that have worked with you at the different teams that you worked on, but the guys that have been with you, yep. you know, cause a lot of them worked up the ladder with you. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, that's, um, you know, my mind immediately goes to Tim Latiga, mm-hmm. who was, Literally standing at the start finish line. Um, for those who don't know, you know Tim Laddick is him and his wife Cheryl the first first individuals I ever d- drove for outside of my family. I was you know 13, 14, 15, around that range, sort of driving for them. Um, he actually ended up being a, a mechanic on one of my Xfinity cars in twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Um, so long story short, you know they, they are completely family, and he's he's lived that grind with me, been through the blood, sweat, and tears as you you were talking about. So. To have him, because he still to this day works on an Xfinity car for RCR, completely different team than what I just won with. And here he is at the start-finish line to give me a hug right after I land the backflip. So, you know, that that was special. But I guess my point is it, you know, it makes you realize and think about, you know, that moment's way bigger than just winning a race or winning a championship. And to me, you know, that was, that was fun and, and extremely humbling to see everybody else kind of living in that and, kind of embracing what had just happened, you know, and I told everybody right after, you know, all the events were taking place there at night that I didn't want to seem non-emotional because I'm a very, very emotional guy. But I feel like when you're living it yourself, you're so just embraced and embodied by the work ethic and what it takes to do it that you kind of become numb in the heat of battle. Mm. But fast forward, you know, we talked about reflection a little bit ago, like, you know, to look back and reflect and get the phone calls and get the texts and get the you know, the one-on-one interactions with those individuals, and I've had a lot of lot of them since then, you know, that that makes it, that moment, know that it's bigger than that. It's, it's showing everybody that, you know, continue to show up every day, continue to put the work in, whether it's it's too hard or not, right? Like, all that just kind of was brought to light how much bigger that is than yourself, so that's pretty special. So, Daniel, as much work as it took to get that championship and that win – and the different teams that you've been at. And I feel like you've had chances, but I didn't feel like some of those teams gave you a long enough chance to prove <laughs> well, what you could do. Yeah, it's debatable, right? Right. <laughs> so what is it inside of you, or what are some of the practices that maybe you do that kept you believing in yourself and that kept you working so hard to prove that you had what it takes to do it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question and a, a very, um, 
very full question, I guess, because I, you know, there's so many different ways to, to answer that, you know, and everybody's got their own answer for that. But for me personally, you know, I look back at, you know, there was no other option, right? Like if I don't show up, we don't put food on the table. If you don't continue to put the work in, nobody's going to do it for you. Um, just the little things that I feel like, you know, your upbringing obviously kind of, you know, that, that, that creates you and crafts you into who you are. And to know that I had to experience that, you know, at that 14, 15 year old range, like there was no other option. Um, so I've, whether you thought that was the easy way or, or whether you want other, whether you'd ever want, you know, I, I wouldn't want my daughter to ever have to do anything that way. But for me, that's, that's who makes me who I am is because of, of, of having to grow up that way. And, um, my point to that is just continue to stay true to that, you know, knowing that, you know, if the day you, the only thing is always a certain that always a certain is if you don't show up, it's not going to happen no matter what it is in life. And I've just had to always kind of carry that on my shoulder. And, um, I think the testament to getting to Phoenix, having a chance to win a championship, having that kind of, you know, that stage and that moment, you know, that continuous background never left my mind, just knowing that, you know, just got to be there. And, uh, we were there with a shot and took advantage of it. Let's, let's talk about some of the people when we talk about Latiga and, you know, certainly Dan Snyder and, you know, Bruce Silver giving you a shot in a late model. We'll talk more, a little bit more yep. about that in, in just a little bit, but uh, your mom, your dad, your, yep. your stepdad. Um, I, I remember, you know, back in the legends car days, like you said, you guys had just enough to put race cars on the racetrack, right? Like, you know, you didn't have the nicest equipment. You didn't have the nicest trailer, like some of those, you know, the big super teams in that, in the, the scale car stuff did, but everybody was there supporting you. Um, yep. and they were there in Phoenix and, and they've been mm -hmm. there every step of the way. Um, how much of that has kind of driven who you are too, knowing that, you know, your family has stuck by you and certainly Kenzie falls into that cause she's been around just about as long oh, too. Yeah, when you guys, were, you guys were just little kids when you first met each other. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, having that support system, cause no matter what, everybody's, everybody on the racetrack is getting a paycheck and everybody, you know, wants to see you do yep. well and stuff like that when they're, when they're wearing the, the patches and the, and the shirts and all that, but you got to go home to them. So how much of that drove you? Oh, uh, you know, everything, right. I mean, knowing that, you know, they've been with you when you didn't have rides. They've been there supporting you whenever you didn't have a way to pay the tire bill or whatever the scenario was. It's funny. You talk about all of them being there in Phoenix. You know, my my dad just made it like 40 minutes before driver intros. Mm -hmm. um, and Kenzie and I had actually got him a, a flight to come out there. I got a text that morning. says, hey, so I'm on a different flight. A flight got changed. I'll be there a little later. And I said, oh gosh. well, hang on. I said, I don't think your flight got changed because I booked your flight right. and I would have got the email. I said, did you miss your flight? Well, I might've missed it. I might've been a little <laughs> late. So that was pretty funny. And then actually my mom and my stepfather, you know, you talk about support and they've been there every step of the way. You know, my mother actually, she's recently taken up, um, I am making a point here, but she's no, recently, recently taken up the love for, for uh, horse and horse riding. Mm -hmm. And um, so she, she has a horse, you know, there in our town of Kannapolis and, and uh, the stable she kept that actually injured itself. The horse did. Oh, no. So she, that whole week, she was like, I don't know if I can come. I don't know. I was like, listen, you take care of your horse. It's not that deep. Listen, we'll have moments down the road. Obviously, now it's like, oh, man, it sucks that they couldn't have been there. So they weren't there. So oh, my, my. Mother, my mother and my stepfather were not there. But I promise you, they were some of the first ones waiting for us back home when oh, we got I'm there, sure. which is very special. But long story short, no matter what the snare was, I, I knew they were all, you know, they were all there in spirit. If they couldn't make it, they've always been there. You know, there was years there on the road where, you know, 
I had my wife, Kenzie, with me, but none of them. And they were always calling and checking and keeping up with, uh, you know, back then would have been Speed 51 and yep. keeping up with updates. And that was how they stayed attached. My point is they were always attached. And uh, I'm thankful for that because not everybody has that. You know, people with some of the best financial situations in the world growing up and whatever they're trying to chase, you know, they have that support, but not the physical, emotional, you know, family support. So, yeah, we may not have had all the monetary stuff, but we've always supported each other through that process. And, and just real quick, Alex, before you step in there, I do want to give a, a shout out to your mom because she is one of the nicest, most <laughs> genuine people. Because oh, even when you weren't, you know, back in a previous life when I was doing a lot of short track stuff, yep. even after you had gone into, you know, some of the NASCAR stuff, the truck stuff, when your stepdad Woody was racing his uh, Allison Legacy cars yep. at some track or something like that, your mom was always there. She would always come up, want to know, talk about racing, want to talk about family and all that stuff. And, yep. you know, she she's your mom. She's she doesn't have to do that, but she she sure. was she was the warmest, nicest woman. So I just be you know I, I, I wanted I to give that. her a quick shout out. So when she <laughs> listens to this, I, I wanted to let her know that I, I truly appreciate uh, you know her support of you, but you know just her being a genuinely nice uh, nice person as I, well. I appreciate that. Yeah. She will too. And you know you can't help but think you know that that river doesn't ro- you know roll downhill and um, between her and my grandparents and everybody before them, you know that's just a trait that. I've been fortunate enough to be brought up in. Right. So speaking of nearly not making the race, um, going into championship weekend, you kind of had some things happen um, as far as your car got got there a little late. Mm -hmm. So how else, I mean, you seemed really kind of cool and collected on the outside. And how else did that help you, you know, I know, go into the weekend, say you start off like that, but then you finished it on a high note. Like how (laughs) how did all that go? It definitely adds to the the drama, right? I mean, without a doubt, could not have scripted the way that entire deal worked out is pretty funny. Everybody's like, man, what'd you think when you found out your car wasn't going to make it for practice? And, um, you know, for those listening that don't know, you know, I mean, I literally our truck driver, um, hit a, a deer carcass and I'm going to get this wrong, but somewhere like between Texas, Mexico, somewhere in there. Right. And, um, long story short truck trailer sideline by himself. There's no other hauler within hours, uh, you know, like 10 or 12 hours either direction, like your car is not going to make of practice. And it's pretty funny. You know, I had some old, old car chiefs from other teams from past lives. It feels like, you know, when you live inside this industry that everybody pulled a rope a different direction and helped us out. And next thing you know, I think we were like 20 minutes before practice started. Um, a, a, uh, a dually, uh, no, I'm sorry, not a dually, a, a actually pretty decent size, little toter home right. and a pull behind trailer fifth wheel came pulling in literally our car, um, I think an impact gun and maybe one jack was all they could fit in this thing and, and get the stuff there in time. I mean, they're reloading this trailer in the middle of the night, you know, 4 a.m. in Mexico somewhere or wherever it was. Long story short, it was a matter of we didn't think it was going to happen. But you know, I talked about being like kind of appearing to be calm. Like there was there was nothing else we could have done before our car left Charlotte to go to Phoenix that it wasn't prepared for. And and that was what not you can never foresee something like that happening. Sorry. But there was no doubt in my mind we wouldn't roll into the racetrack and be top two or three on speed, that we weren't gonna continue to get better. Um and if we didn't get to make a lap, I wasn't worried about it because I knew it was close. Um and, and that's just confidence you build within each other with uh, inside your race team throughout a course of an entire season. And um, you know, that a lot of that goes to Dave Rogers, my crew chief last year. Um, you know, we were able to, I feel like form a very special bond over the short time we were able to work together just from, you know, he had been at the highest highs of our sport at the cup level, had, had experienced some of the lowest lows, um, you know, career wise and personally, and we're able to really kind of build a relationship off that, you know, that, 
all those moments built to why I felt like we were so prepared, how he's able to drive individuals to get the most out of people, get the most out of me, and getting the most out of me is keeping me from worrying about all the noise. And all that, trailer not getting there, la, da, da, all that was just noise because at the end of the day, we had a job to do. And I knew if as long as the car does get there, I know I got to do my part, and I was prepared to do my part, and um, I knew they had done their job. So when it rolled through there, it was just kind of a bonus for us. Do you think all of those trials and tribulations, the ups and the downs, just specifically in your NASCAR career from the trucks to the Xfinity Cup and then back to Xfinity and all that, do you think those trials and tribulations kind of helped you stay so calm? Because, you know, you've been in a position to race for a championship in the Xfinity Series before, but, you know, I don't want to say you were just happy to be in that position again, yeah, because, but, you know, you've, you've paid some dues, so why not just throw caution to the wind at that point? Is that, is that kind of what went through your mind? There's definitely no way it couldn't have helped, yeah. right? I mean, you kind of find out what somebody's made of, right? I mean, everybody's heard the saying of when your back's against the wall. And, um, you know, and Dave Rogers, I spoke about him a second ago, was, you know, one of our sayings throughout the year was, so what, now what? And that was another one of those moments, right? Like, okay, so what? When we get to practice. So now what? Well, how do we prepare even better? And, you know, having to go through, you know, not that specific situation, but times of, of your back being against the wall personally and professionally, you know, prior to that, like it was, you know, it makes your, makes your uh, skin pretty thick, I guess you could say. And uh, yeah, I'm thankful for those moments. Like I said, you may not wish a certain path on, on any individual, but I'm thankful for mine, for what it's taught me along the way. Let's rewind the clock again one more time. Do you remember your first late model race? Very well, very well. Do you remember that, uh, first of all, you had a really good spotter that day. I don't know Very if good. you remember that. Yeah, <laughs> was his name Matt? Best in the business, for <laughs> I sure. I wonder who that is. It, he, was, uh, he was a little different in size and, and uh, stature at that point. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. by the way. I, thank you. Thank you. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to look half as good as you. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I did enjoy eating back then. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you get together with Bruce Silver, uh, founder of Racing Electronics, uh, been involved in, in racing for a long time. He helped kind of get you in into the door at BDI Racing, owned by then Speed Channel broadcaster Bob Dillner. I worked for Bob at the time yep. and, you know, put a super late model team together. And that first race, you should have won it. Do you, do you recall that you should have won your very first late model race? I remember sitting on the pole. Yep. It was a new track record at the time. Yes, it was a track record. Yep. Um, this is at Concord Speedway, half mile track, now closed, which is a real shame. But uh, yeah, yep. I, I, feel like, I feel like the interesting part of making my first start there is, you know, you know, I grew up. My first, my stepfather used to race. He moved from Massachusetts, came here to chase a dream. Used to run what they used to call the Big Ten Series back in the day when Super Late Model Racing. It was the prime of the prime. You know, top elite um, short track racers in the country. People who went on to be Cup champions. Yep. In different forms. My point is, Concord was the, if you want to test how how gritty you were and, and and your skill behind the race car, that was the toughest place to go. Oh yeah, by the way, we're gonna put this kid who's only ever driven a legend <laughs> car in a late mall around here for the first time. So right. I always find that pretty comical. But um, yeah, it was. I remember going there. Had my actually had my great grandparents. My you know we talked about support, family in the grandstands, yep. and um, yeah, got to go sit on the pole. And I can't remember the invert if we led any laps or, or how it worked out. But I remember, I do remember catching the fence at one point and damn near tearing the right side off yep. this thing. And uh, I think that knocked a toe in and just some stuff. And long story short, I was I was, uh, I was, was probably way in over my head, to be honest with you. But 
I had a hell of a time. It was fun. Well, the reason I asked that question is because uh, our crew chief at the time, Jason Ricker, uh, yep. is still a crew chief up in Super Late Models up in Maine. Uh, we do some iRacing together, and Jason and I were talking. I didn't say, hey, we're going to have Daniel on the show. Do you remember that race? And we waited so long. We were trying to keep the tires underneath it. We are like, nope, just bide your time. You're running second to Bobby Miesmer, yep. who uh, wor- ended up working at Stuart Haas, and his kid races uh, over at Millbridge now and all that stuff. Really good racer himself. Um, still races modifieds, too. Yep. But we're running second. We're, no, Daniel, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. <laughs> and finally, it got down to, like, five laps to go. We're like, okay, it's, t- it's go time. Well, Bobby went, too, so we couldn't do it. So yep. that could have been a real feather in our cap for your first late model race to go to victory lane, but... Um, uh, I'll P- tell you, P two in your first race isn't too shabby well, either. Well, I, yeah, well, it's pretty fu- pretty fitting to the my next part career. <laughs> <at that point. laughs> no, I'll tell you. So it's uh, I, the one of the things I tell you I remember the most about that experience. You know, first off, you know my mind's going a million miles a minute right now. Come having so many memories, flashbacks, right? Um, so you know, Jason Ricker actually went on to be my wife's one of her very actually I think her very first Super Late Model crew. That's chief, right. That's right. You know, the like a year or two following. So that was pretty interesting how that all tied together, and then. That race in particular, um, Bobby Gill had actually been driving that car yep. prior, you know, for uh, for Bob and, and speed, the Speed 51 team. And um, long story short, um, they had Bob's seat in it. And at the time, I was maybe 18, 19-ish, give right. or take. Yep. And um, I'm, I, I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm 160 pounds. I'm 5'9 right now. And then I would have been 5'6 or 7, maybe 125 pounds. And I make – I give you those numbers because Bob or Bob Dillner, um, Bobby Gill, yeah, was about two a lot more than you. Yes. <laughs> so my point is, when you said, "Hey, keep the tires on it," what you probably didn't know is my neck was probably already underneath the headrest. I'd already probably <laughs> completely fell out of the seat by that point of the race. But it was, uh, yeah, you never forget those moments. And uh, man, what a good time that was. So, you know, we talked about how you raced Bandoleros, Legends cars, go-karts even before that, and then late mm-hmm. models, super late models, you know, everything under the sun. You really have. You've driven modifieds. Yep. You know, you, you, you've won a modified race even in, in David Hill's car, uh, which was uh, really cool, too, yep. down New Smyrna Speedway. Since you've raced so many different types of cars, what's been your favorite? Ooh, that's a – immediately I, I do kind of eh, – it's a toss-up because they're so different, but there are they are alike in so many ways. But, man, a tour-type modified mm. is – unlike anything else um between a 15 inch tire you know, i never ran any of the 12 inch tire 13 inch tire races or whatever they used to run but some of the, the 15 inch tire um something about throttling a tour type modified up with all the compression the motors that are in them and the pipes are so short i mean you literally from the driver's seat you can see the tires and the reason i bring that up because of those particular cars when you can see the tire and you throttle up you literally watch the tire kind of like a drag car get narrow and stand mm-hmm. up and feel the car all four kind of elevate and then when you hit the brakes, all four set down. I've never driven another vehicle quite like that. Super late models kind of get there at times, but, you know, they're so pinned on the earth and just, you know, just different. Um, I've always said I, I want to get back in a, a tour-type car at some point. I'm sure I will. There'll be opportunities. But, yeah, that was a, that was a fun time getting to experience something different. And, yeah, it's uh, it's so wild, the decisions you make and, and you know, just timing and whatnot, you know, when I got to run those cars, one of my favorite cars for that little bit of time, the timing wasn't right. I didn't need to stay there. I needed right. to pivot and go a different direction. Thankful that worked out because when I made those decisions, you know, you know, it's, you never know how it's going to shake out. But yeah, it was uh, it, it was a fun time. 
when you look back at your short track career uh, and how it's prepared you for this, you all, you also spent the time, you know, you won Nashville in your own car. You yep. know, you put William Byron in your car for a time too, when William was kind of starting his yep. way up. Do you, does that itch still, do you still have that itch to kind of get back into the car building and car <laughs> owning business? Or are you strictly a dad and a driver now? I promise you between being the dad and trying to be all I can be as a driver, it's, I don't have the time for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just, not, not to do it the way I want to do it. And, and I kind of honestly, and I get slack and, and probably it, maybe it's warranted. I'm not sure about not continuing a short track race more than I do. Um, and, and I simply, <laughs> my answer to that is, you know, a lot of, a lot of people I grew up, you know, showing up and, and going to the racetrack. And for me, anybody that actually knows me knows that majority of the time, if a car went to the racetrack, I had spent, you know, a hundred hours plus getting one ready. And, if I can't go do it that way, then I don't want to go do it. Right. And I'm not just going to write a check and show up and drive somebody's race car at a short track event. And, and, um, there will be a time where I, well, I like the hope there'll be a time where I can go back and, and do that. Um, whether that's this year, next year, or 40 years from now, when I, when hopefully my NASCAR career's come and gone and, and, and been successful and I can go do that stuff. I mean, I love short track racing to the core. It's made me who I am, but me not being able to prepare and do it the way I want to do it. I don't want to do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, those, uh, I reflect back on some of that stuff and man, and I can't remember honestly what the even question was, how I went down <laughs> this path here, but, but just being able to be able to do those things. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind only late models. I wouldn't right. mind, wouldn't mind, um, you know, putting that back into the short track world, but I don't feel like I could even do that and give it the justice it deserves time wise. So. Until I can do that, I'll uh, continue to, on the path I am, but one day, one day. Well, could that one day, since mom and dad were racers, could Ren <laughs> follow in that, or are you yeah. going to try to steer her in a different direction? You know, that's a great question. You know, we, it, it's kind of a sensitive subject, and, and I don't want to get all sappy here. But I get it. My, you know, my wife, you know, she lived the highest highs and lowest lows, and, and just timing-wise, it didn't work out, so... My point is she experienced that heartbreak and then we've been fortunate to experience so many things in our life that we could have never expected to experience because of some of the fortunate and successful moments that I've been able to have. And, and so it's interesting when I'm out there having success inside of a race car, can't help but feel kind of guilty in a way like, Oh man, like she was, she was good. She was plenty mm -hmm. good enough to be able to do it at the highest level and just didn't work out. And my point is to our little girl, we're like, Oh my gosh, you know, as much, as great as it can be when it's great, the odds are so low that her heart could very easily be broken trying to chase what her mother did and what her dad was fortunate enough to do. So, yeah, I know I've always said since day one that I was going to push golf on her because yeah. <laughs> that's a love of mine that I've recently taken up since I'm not laying in a shop all the time right. building race cars. It's a good pastime, I feel like, for me. And um, so I've joked around that's what I was going to push on her. But I got to tell you, it's it's a – the racing is a problem for her right now. She loves it. Oh, no. I mean, she loves it. And and my wife and I look at each other, Kins and I look at each other, like, man, we're in trouble. Like, yeah. yeah. We're in trouble because as much as, you know, we're definitely not trying to keep her away from it, first off. Sure. But um, I had a funny side note to exactly what you're talking about. So, you know, our little girl was growing and changing, evolving over, you know, the first year of her life. And we started kind of, you know, associating words with cer certain things. Uh, my spotter last year, Tony Hirschman, I, I want to say this was uh, – probably the, the May Charlotte race, my month's right there. I think May Charlotte race. And it's the first time she started realizing that she'd always listened to the scanner with Kinsey. 
And every time we'd roll to a restart box, instead of, you know, spotters have their own terms, right? Mm -hmm. Green flag, uh, five, go, go, four, go. three. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, he his terminology is three, two, one, go, go. And go, go is, you know, green flag. So then she started realizing, okay, when dad's in this car and I hear, I can hear this guy telling him go, go, right? So now everything <laughs> that moves that's on a racetrack is yeah. a go, go. So, awesome. yeah, so she points, go, 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 go. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, now it's turned into, she sees anything race related, it's go, go. So it's pretty comical. That's now changed to making race noises. And yep. And she's always got a little die cast in her hand. It's actually funny. I was cleaning up my golf closet um, just last week. And I had uh, played in one of William Byron's golf charity tournaments. Right. And he, they gave out one of his little die casts. And <laughs> she she found it and all. And she's, she's driven that thing on every square inch of every wall and floor at our house over the last week. So. She's all about it. It's a problem. Yep. Uh, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, it's a great problem to have. You know, but, you know, like you said, from a dad's perspective, you and Kenzie can both share the the war stories. You know, kinda, you know if she says, Daddy, I, I do want to try a go-kart or a quarter midget, whatever it might be, you can sit her down and say, yep. okay, you can do this, this, and this if you do this, and this, and this, but it still may not happen. Exactly. You, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it's an interesting perspective that you both can give her. Yeah, correct. You know, you're 100% correct. I mean, we definitely will never keep her away from it. You know, if that's something she chooses and wants to have that discussion, um, you know, like I said, I'm thankful because the life experiences and the things, you know, racing in general has taught me and, you know, that, that you'll take well on beyond your time in a race car have come from all those experiences. So, yeah, being able to share those with her, hopefully, you know, you never know how you're doing as a parent, but you want to be able to mold them and um, whether, you know, <laughs> for the best way you know how to. And um, some of those experiences, without a doubt, would be a topic of discussion of how, we became who we are as a family and, and as individuals and hopefully be able to shape her in a way that she can have success in this world. And, and that that's a very good point. It doesn't have to be racing specific, right? Yep. Your, your work ethic and, and the way Kenzie put her life together and everything like that. And, yep. uh, you know, her dad's a successful businessman and stuff like that. So, I mean, you, nothing's handed to you. Those are yep. lessons, you know, whether it's racing, golf, softball, dance, it's singing, whatever it is, it's life, right? It's Absolutely. the game of life. Absolutely. So, um, all right. So, Let's talk about since Phoenix, you've, uh, you know, you've traded logos on your shirt. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You yeah. already got the college racing stuff on. So, um, and, and that was announced even before yep. uh, the, the end of the 2021 season. So how did that process come to be where you would be joining college racing, you know, still racing for a championship and, and, and knowing that you were going to be switching teams? I mean, what was that process like and, and how did that, you know, how did that come to fruition? And, and what's the last couple of months been like trying to get transitioned over to college racing? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> another loaded question. I, I tell you, you know, I got a, I think Chris Rice, the president of Collard, would get a kick out of this. I think Matt Collard would as well, which he knows the story very well because he was living it with me. Um, I don't know the exact days or the exact month, but I get a call from Chris Rice. And right, wrong, or indifferent, at the current state of our sport, there's a lot of calls that come in. And the very next question is, how much sponsorship do you have? Yep. How much, you know, what can you bring to our program? That's just reality so so or races. Exactly. And quite honestly, you know, when I took my deal at JGR um, with Poppy Bank supporting me, you know, and they were all in, but they were also only all in for one more year. That was mm -hmm. it. So I knew my sponsorship and my ride had an expiration date from the day I signed it, fall of 2020 with JGR. So kind of trying to paint that picture for you. So as we get into the season, Quite honestly, I felt like it was a bit um, 
underperforming. We weren't quite clicking at first, to be honest with you, as a group. We just couldn't quite put the puzzle, you know, pieces of the puzzle together um, within the JGR camp and what Dave and I needed. Um, and that phone call comes. It, it was probably middle of the summer, and mm-hmm. we need to be making a push, and I quite honestly don't think feel like we were. So that when I got that phone call, I ignored it. I didn't mm-hmm. call him back. I, the last damn thing I knew my expiration was on my contract, was on my sponsorship, was on my career at this point. You know, I don't know what happens after this, but the last thing I'm going to do is muddy the waters with trying to figure out and let this guy know I don't have a sponsor after this race, let this team know I don't have, like, the hell with that. I'm all in. I need to focus on what i got to focus on right now to figure out my race team right now. What's our issues? How do we turn this around? And that went on for, like, two or three weeks. He called, called, called. Nothing. I'm talking completely ignored. And I know he's, if he listens to this, he's going to be laughing because this is a 100% true story. And uh, we actually had a, a death in our family. It was about an hour and a half drive to a funeral that we had to go to. My wife and I, I, I'm trying to remember if our little girl was with us. I feel like she wasn't. We left her with one of our family members. And as we're driving, I get a text from another mutual friend of mine and Chris Rice. Like, hey, you really need to call Chris Rice. I'm like, all right. Whatever reason, I feel in my heart, I need to just reach out to him. So now we're a month later. Now we're getting close to early fall this would have been probably two weeks before the playoffs started. So, yeah, we're getting into dead of the season. Right. And uh, I call him back, and the first thing he says to me, he says, will you come Will you come drive a race car, a colleague? And I said, man, I told him exactly what I said. Man, I don't have a sponsorship. I don't know a lot of eyes. said, no, 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 no. Will you come drive a race car? We'll figure the rest out. So that's that's a little different conversation I was not necessarily prepared to have. For sure. I said, you got to let me think on this. I got to figure out. You know, I, I got partners involved. Like, I need to let me process this. Right. I said, okay, take some time, call him back a day, two days, three days, whatever it is. And once I got to process that, got to run it by some of the, you know, influential key um, people in my life that I kind of bounce things off of. And like, yeah, you, you got you to make that phone call back and, and figure out the details, figure out what they're thinking. And by the time Chris and I had an hour and a half conversation a couple nights later, kind of, ran through who Matt Colleague was as an individual. You know, I, I met Matt and seen Matt around the racetrack and had a relationship with Chris Rice from my 2015 days in um, sure. in, that, in the NTS truck I drove there in that year because he ran that place. And long story short, it was it was a conversation that when I hung up, I knew I had a – you never know, but I had a pretty clear idea of what their vision was, where they wanted to go as a race team at Colleague, and for them to call me and ask me to come drive the race car – also, before I become an NASCAR Xfinity Series champion, right, mm-hmm. right, which there, there is to me, there's weight to that, right? Somebody believing in you when you're probably not at your best. Yeah, those calls are easier to make to somebody uh, like you when you got doubt. the championship champion mm-hmm. name on it, without a doubt. Yeah. So, I tried to take that for its face value and um, committed to them on the phone. Um, they would have dinner with them a week or so later. I believe it was Michigan, and uh, shook his hand. And it's interesting is we we had dinner, shook their hand agreed to the deal and we didn't really i mean there's contract stuff in the background getting worked out and all oh, that sure. but like playoffs started like playoffs were starting and there was no conversation i didn't speak to colleague they didn't speak to me it was everybody take the respect to pass until the season comes to the end and and um yeah i mean i'm thankful for that it was, it was fun to be able to get to get it done and then right back to the task at hand and um let me go to work. Uh, and, and you're racing against colleague cars that week in and week out, week and, and, week and out. for the championship too. You're racing against you know, AJ and all that too. I'm sure y'all have heard the deal where if you get into it with the driver, it never fails. You're in. You're in the um, 
the pickup truck doing the ride oh, around. Every time, right? Very similar situation. Have dinner with them at Michigan. Uh, I think the very next week or within that next like week or two, we ran Talladega. And here I am pushing the 11 car to win. That's right. And it was just, you know, can't like, can't make that stuff up. And like, I was pushing him to win, not the help caller. Like, I was pushing to win because that was my best shot to win and right. have the best finish. So, sure. so wild. So wild. Well, and so on that point, too, I mean, you have a history with Noah Gregson that, you know, you've <laughs> yeah. gotten into some spats with him. And then Colin did such a great job on the announcement of who their drivers are going to be next that? year. And then now you're back with Noah, like you were at JRM, yep. at Colleague. So, so I think about, you know, in the corporate world, like if I was in a meeting with Alex and she pissed me off and I go at her after the meeting and like smack her in the face, like, you know, HR is going to get involved. One yep. of us is going to get fired. And I know that's not racing. So how does that work from your perspective? Like, are you and Noah good? Like, do you just yeah, like, do I you mean, have a conversation? Do you go to dinner? Like, <laughs> you know, cause like from our perspective, like it's just, we live vicariously because it's bizarre, there's, right? you know, it's vicarious, right? Like yeah. that's why fans like it. Cause like there's people probably at any point, I would love to smack around after a meeting, you know, <laughs> but we can't do that. Yeah. So any insight you can give that doesn't give away too much would be kind no, of no, cool yeah. to no, hear. That's fair. That's fair. Obviously we had our run in at Atlanta. Now I think we we're in Martinsville was the very next week. And, uh, him and I had a conversation like right before we went on the racetrack, right? There's no practice, no qualifying. So we spoke like, I think as I was pulling into Martinsville and I'm pretty sure everybody saw where I stood on it. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but him and I never had that conversation until we did. And, uh, and it was fine. We honestly agreed to disagree on, things that led to what it led to, um, but we were fine. And then, of course, we're racing for a stage win, I think stage one or stage two of the race in Martinsville. But fast forward past that, I mean, we never had another issue. We, we race hard. Um, he races hard. I, I try to try to race the same way. And, um, you know, there is a, there's always an unspoken respect, especially once you go through stuff like that with an individual. No different in any relationship, right? Like yeah. you and your wife, like there's always, there's always, you know, something along the way that is a defining moment of where is this going to land? And <laughs> And uh, you get through that. And when you get through that, you're strong on the other side. I'd say that's no different. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah, I feel like when we made, um, you know, we made live, and I don't want to speak for Noah, but I think, you know, he's he's a good bit younger. I think he he, he, he runs hard, and, and I think he um, enjoys life. And, you know, we're at different points of our lives. But on the grand scheme of things, he does him, and I do me. And, and uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we're going to work together at Colleague to be the best race team we can be. And it's going to be fun to be able to work with him because I think between himself, myself, and AJ, I think we can legitimately try to elevate, you know, that second car there, you know, on the cup side, which is really cool to talk about, you know, Absolutely. again, right? So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But just, um, yeah, it's just, it's funny how all that's worked out. It's, it's going to be interesting for sure. But, um, you know, we talked about the announcement, you know, putting that announcement out there and colleague was quick on their feet. Like, listen, we can either let other people go at us and, and have a field day with it, or we can get ahead of it and do our own thing. So Yeah, owning it was so smart. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was, it was yeah. good to – yeah, you got to be lighthearted in those moments. Um, at the end of the day, you're going to be around these people, right? You're going to – you know, no matter who your colleagues are, like you're going to be around them. Right. So yeah. embrace it and have fun with it. Enjoy it. So I'm going to piggyback on that. How excited this season are you to work at college? It seems like such a fun environment yep. and your teammates are really fun. So how excited are you to work with everyone over there? Yeah, I am. I am pumped. I think, um, you know, earlier as we sat down here, you were talking about making that transition over the last couple of months. And it has been that. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, right? I mean, you got JGR, 500 plus employees, and they've been established for so long that there's a system in place, right? Um, so it's been interesting to see 
a young building team like colleague, you're part of that process, right? So communication is, is different. Who, who handles what, how they go about it is different. But the key to knowing that all that's going to be just fine eventually is, is the culture that they built, right? The, the individuals, the people, the amount in which they carry themselves and how much fun they have, um, you know, and getting paid to do what we all love in racing. And, you know, and they all appreciate that. And I appreciate that about them. Um, it was a big influence on, on what and why I made a decision to end up there. Um, obviously, they don't give me that phone call. I don't end up there, but <laughs> yeah. I'm thankful for that. Um, but I think just knowing that what they've done in such a short amount of time, everybody talks about that. But, you know, sitting in the closed-door meetings and, and having an idea of what Matt Colleague's vision is for Colleague Racing, um, what Matt's vision has been for his personal companies and how much they, in a roundabout way, kind of piggyback on all of what racing does. Like, that's that's a, that's a an exciting time as a driver to see an owner take that risk with people, take that risk with, you know, his own businesses and, and financially putting that investment back into the sport. Um, I mean, from a fan's perspective, like, I can't think – I mean, they're now more than ever, which is great, but it's been a, a pretty big gap where owners weren't doing that. And sure. to know that, you know, Matt is completely committed, and there's been a lot of comers and goers within the last 10 years of our sport, at least that I've seen in my time, and plenty before that, they came in, all in, they're all in, and then they're all out. Right. Like Matt, I mean, knock on wood, is not that guy, and and I know that wholeheartedly, and that's, uh, that's exciting because it makes you know when you wake up every day, you're not building – for your career to be hanging on by, you know, what's going to pivot next. It's building, knowing that you're legit building something. You're, you're with a part of something that's growing at a very rapid, but, but, um, productive manner. And, and that makes it, makes it exciting to get up and, and tackle, you know, today's challenges because they are different when some, a place like that is growing. And I've tried to embrace that. Awesome. So you, you touched on it just now, uh, being able to get back behind the wheel of, of a cup car yeah. uh, again, like you did a couple of years ago with RCR. But uh, was that part of the initial discussion? Not, not one bit. So that came up l- later. That was literally, so I, I actually sat down and had, and had to do a, an interview yesterday and it, this exact thing came up and they asked that same question. And, and it's funny that it was strictly Xfinity only. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking cup racing now, not going to lie to you, they let me in on kind of what their vision was as far as, where does colleague racing want to be in 2024, 2025? Sure. And that was exciting to hear kind of what Matt colleague wanted, you know, take everybody, take, take driver's names out of it. Just what does he want? And to know that, yeah, that had weight on my decision, but I, uh, when's the fair come to town? October usually. Yeah. Usually, about that. yeah. yeah. So my wife and I took our little girl ran to our little town fair there in Troutland. Yep. And, um, and cause we wanted to, you know, when they kind of slow roll her into it, she never been to a fair. So it, it worked right. out great. Right. So right. my point is, it was, you know, I told you end of, end of the summer, we get the deal done fast forward, you know, almost end of October, whatever it was, we're in, at this fair and my phone rings. It's Chris Rice again. He says, Hey, how'd you feel about running, you know, a uh, select amount of cup races? I said, well, the trick question. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, what, what else is there? Yeah, other than, say no, thanks. Yeah. Other yeah, than like, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I was like, okay. He's like, well, I don't know the details or where it's going to be or how many, but yeah, I, th- I think you're gonna you're gonna be in it. We're gonna maybe run this second car full time, and and you've committed to us. We're committed to you. Let's do it. That's All right, sign me up. Fantastic. Let's go. Yeah, yeah if, if you don't know where to make me sign, show me and I'll figure it out. So right. it's a it's yeah, just an unforeseen opportunity that um you know just timing and right place, right time. I'm thankful for that opportunity. It's you know there was a time. And I'm sure we may or I may be jumping ahead of you here, but. 
you know, where you never, you don't know if you're ever going to have a chance to mix it up with the best right. on Sundays ever again. So to go through that process, the ups, the downs, the rebuild process, if, if that's what you want to call it. And, um, you know, of all places, walk around a town fair, right? To get, <laughs> yeah. to get that phone call, that's, that's uh, extremely humbling. So how do you go into this 2022 season? Do you take a different mentality now that you have – you know, experience the highest high that you can have in a series like the Xfinity series. Do you take a different approach into this season or do you attack it just as you have the last couple? Uh, I think you stay in your lane, right? And for me, that was, it may not have been the projected path, but eventually, you know, eventually you keep showing up, right? And, and keep showing up. And, and that's what I've always done. That's what, um, that's what gave me the opportunity to, you know, be called a champion. Um, so as we go into 2022, my preparation it's obviously you're always trying to better yourself, right? So you're trying to find ways to in, enhance that preparation, enhance how you're physically going about, you know, your workouts and your everything that goes into making you a race car driver, right? You're always trying to enhance all that. So I'm not saying it's the same, but, you know, what what I look to get out of it is. Mm. And um, that's try to show up and give yourself a shot every, every given Saturday, any given Sunday, whenever the chance is there in that cup car, like, be as prepared as I can be to be ready for whatever situation I may be faced with that particular weekend. And yeah. And uh, when the dust settles, you lay your head down at night knowing you did everything you can do that that's been the same for me from day one and right. continue to be the same 2022 and carry it on into the future. And what it sounds to me like what you were telling us about colleague is that they believe in you, not so much that they needed your sponsor. Correct. Which I think, to me, if I were in your place, that would make just a huge difference. Yeah, I mean. Uh, and how you feel about, you know, going in there this year. It is different. It is different. And, you know, like I told you at JGR, like, whether it sounds brash or not, like I, I knew I had the sponsor. I knew you kind of control those things. And obviously Coach Gibbs is the ultimate controller of all decisions right. that gets made in that situation. But in roundabout way, your leverage is pretty high. And quite honestly, I'm just another employee at Colleague, right? I'm a part of the part of the the game. They can move my little chess piece wherever mm-hmm. they want to go, and 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 quite honestly, I'm gonna do what they want me to do because, you know, they've completely stepped out on limb to give me a shot, and know that you know they're gonna figure out all the the financial stuff and and everything else that comes with it. I'm pumped to not have to necessarily worry about that myself, and that's exciting. It lets me kind of be a better version of myself, right? Like. I haven't to continue to worry about that stuff in the middle of a hour and a half hardcore workout, thinking in the back of your head, like, man, I got to put sponsorship together or, or this is all for nothing kind of thing. Like not having to worry about all that. So yes, I mean, it's, it's a very, uh, very enlightening. Yeah. Or I would think a lot so. of a weight, I guess, weight yeah. off of you. It's like um, a stressor that you don't have all the time. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And and that trickles through your family life, right? Like my wife is, you know, my best friend, the one I talk to about everything. And, and here we are, you know, she's not, Having to completely stress out about, right. yeah, hey, what are you going to be doing next year so we can figure out how to <laughs> yeah. keep the lights on? So right. yeah. it's uh, it does change every dynamic, right? That whole cause and effect thing. And um, I'm very excited about that. On the Xfinity side for 2022, you're working with Alex, Alex yep. Jans, right? Yep. And uh, how much, how excited are you to work with a guy like that that kind of comes from a very similar background to very, you? Yep. Uh, you know, won the Martinsville 300 late model stock race, very short track minded, super duper smart. Yep. You know, to be able to work with a guy that's kind of on on your level, I guess you could say, right? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, I've, <laughs> I've, you know, I'll talk about Alex here in a second too, but, you know, I think back of some of our sports greats and, and the really, the great one, crew chief wise, in my opinion, currently. Um, my mind always goes to one is Rodney Childers, two is Chris Gabehart. Those guys are are very successful racers themselves. Right. 
They've also got the engineering background and so on and so forth, and just incredibly sharp when it race craft and, and how you prepare. I bring that up because I see that in Alex. I see, you know, he didn't have the accolades to go with it yet, but I know that, you know, when I, I think back in my time driving that Cars on Motorsports, uh, Jody Ridley looking super late model 98 yep. out of Georgia, you know, during that time frame, Alex is winning, you know, if I'm winning super late model races down in Pensacola, Florida, he's, you know, winning in Virginia somewhere in a late yep. model stock that weekend. And yep. so I've always known of Alex's name. He's only two or three years, I think, older than I am. Um, I'm going to mess that up, but I think he's, you know, early 30s. <laughs> And because of that, I think he has those qualities to be able to, to go achieve and uh, or strive to achieve the little things that make the difference. Because inside of a race car, you know and you feel those little things. And with it, if you've never driven one, like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's within the 16th. That's pretty good. No, no, no. I, I remember I used to get out and make 16th adjustments on my car, give or take. I'm just right now. speaking broadly here. But you knew that did make a difference. So he knows that. He's experienced that. So it makes him chase those little details that – some others may not be physically able or not even know they really do make a difference. So sure. I'm thankful for that. Look forward to the relationship that, you know, Alex and I hopefully will have for a long time to come at Colley. So you, I know that uh, we're kind of, I don't want to say interrupting, but you're right in the middle of all the media obligations for the 2022 season, right? You've been doing all the Fox stuff and all, all the TV stuff over the last couple of days. And has that turned, you know, how have you been adapting to a lot of the media attention? You're doing a lot of different podcasts and YouTube shows and things that, you know, yep. you might have done sparingly every once in a while, but not routinely. So just from your perspective and, and your busy, crazy life that you've already have, how much busier and crazier has it been on the media side over the last couple of months? It definitely has been. And quite honestly, a lot of it happens. And from the outside looking in, like you don't see it, right? Because the stuff that comes out months down the road or weeks right. down the road. So it's funny, like, I made a post about, you know, all the snow we got here in North Carolina, and I realized, man, I haven't hardly posted anything. Yeah. But, it's, you know, it's because of other stuff you're doing, right? right. And, and I'm not saying that's an excuse. My point is there is a lot going on, but what I've I've found very interesting, it's just human nature that, like, I'm, I've done media days now since 2015 in a NASCAR vehicle, and the vibe you get, right? Everybody always gets vibes and emotions when you walk in certain rooms, certain settings, and the way that's changed, like I know I'm walking in these settings, I'm still the same guy. Like mm-hmm. I, but yet people, you can feel people kind of elevate you mm-hmm. on this different pedestal. And, and right, wrong, or indifferent, like it, it's sports. It's right. It's you know people kinda, like winners. It's <laughs> yeah. I guess so. It's yeah. it's good to be one of those again, right? right? But my point is that's been fun to to just see how people's perception can change. Um, you know, for me, I've always believed I could be that guy. I've always believed that that when the right time was there, it'd work out. And it's fun to relive some of that heck I my last shoot of the day last night was with Fox and and um I think it was 6 30 last night and walk in like hey last time we saw you you're you having a glass of whiskey and we we're taking photos on the front stretch at Phoenix I'm like yes and that was a great time thanks for bringing that back up so yeah. just enjoying that stuff as you went through those media rotations and and um you know odd end events since the championship deal has been fun so, you know, along those lines, you know, you're the champion now. Everybody wants a piece of Daniel Hemmick, right? But then you also post on Twitter yesterday that somebody smokes your mailbox out smoked in front it. of them. I yeah, saw that. Like, so at the end of the day, yeah, you get all these media, all this media attention. But <laughs> I bet this morning you were still Daniel, the guy fixing his mailbox in his front yard, right? Yeah, and, and that's actually a bit more of a situation I care to tackle right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh I've actually, and I appreciate everybody on Twitter letting me know, apparently that's normal where there's snow all the time. I guess oh, yeah. plows come through and yeah. snow off the plow knocks the mailbox off. And like, I'm, I'm like 50-50 on if that really happened or if somebody's like uh, like a big, like a dually truck with extended mirrors yep. maybe hit it. Because 
I'll give a shout to my old buddy Tyler Green, who we sure. grew up racing. He's, yep. he's a spotter for actually Harrison Burton now. You know, we we were like, I mean, tight, tight for a long time, and he actually made that mailbox. That's the first house Kins and I have ever bought. It's the only thing I've ever owned in my life. You know, when we bought it, and he actually made it the mailbox. So mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's con- I mean, it's a post is, I don't know, it's, I mean, it's big. I know people can't see my hands right now, but it's, you know, foot by foot. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. And it's concrete, like five feet in the ground. And that post is, is split as well. I'm like, man, I have a hard time believing the snow took the mailbox mm-hmm. off and split the post. Yeah. So yeah. point being, heck, maybe, I don't know. But at some point, yes, I'm the guy who's going to be fixing that thing or replacing it. So uh, I think I've got it. I've got it uh, fixed up enough to receive mail, but it's it's not a good situation. <laughs> and, and that's always one of the interesting things that I like to hear, you know, from drivers' perspectives. Because at the end of the day, you know, most race fans see you guys racing every weekend, and you guys are heroes, and, yep, yep. and, and absolutely. But at the end of the day, you're still dad. You're you're still husband. You're still. I, I can. I'm just going to guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, that within about 12 hours of being home from Phoenix, you were doing laundry again, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Changing dirty diapers and, <laughs> right. and uh, all the other good stuff that comes with it, absolutely. So, you know, there, there's a lot of things that you do that the fans don't get to see yep. that, you know, prove that, yeah, you're a talented race car driver, champion, and all that stuff, but you're still you're still DH, the guy that's got to do stuff around the house, right? No, absolutely. And uh, anybody knows me knows I like to do majority of it myself. Right. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or if that's stubborn, my wife would probably say, but... Uh, she's going to listen back to this. She's going to say, one, you lied about laundry because in all fairness, <laughs> I don't do, I don't do much laundry. She's got me covered. Fair, fair. Uh, yeah. but the yeah, others, you know, changing light bulbs and changing air filters yeah. and, and, uh, yard work. And I, I've always just enjoyed kind of being more hands-on doing that stuff. So I, I got to do plenty of that through 2020. Um, yeah. Yeah. and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay having a break from that, but apparently the mailbox had other plans. <laughs> So let's circle back a little bit to yep. uh, your cup opportunity. Um, you had a chance to shake down that next-gen car yep. uh, just a couple of weeks back. Uh, you know, I know it's been a couple of years since you were in the cup car regularly, but what were some of the things that you were impressed by and some of the things that, you know, you felt like this is, you know, about where the next-gen car is for the 2022 season? Yeah, so uh, yeah, so I got to, to, you know, strap in it for the first time with a colleague at Charlotte for one of the days, and I got to do it again, actually, I think it was just last week in Daytona. Mm-hmm. Weeks running, I think it was last week or week before, but I mean, honestly, a lot of same same stuff applies. Cup racing is still an exceptional, exceptionally tall mountain compared to anything else. It's hard, and the guys there and the guys and girls, like everybody involved, the details, the details are so huge in what you're doing from your craft. And the Cup Series challenges you to a different level to achieve that craft, and because of that it makes you respect those guys. And, and that's what the test was for me. Take the car out of the picture. Those guys are still incredibly what they do um, from top to bottom teams to drivers. Um, being able to drive the car itself though, was, was definitely a different animal. I mean, it does, it does, it does some things that are similar to any race car you drive. And as a driver, you try to get in and adapt, but there are certain things it does that because it's so different, right? Independent suspension, sidewall, attire, smaller than I've ever driven. Um, you know, the rack and pinion steering, is the same as like a super late model, but put on a radial tire. That's something I've never experienced mm-hmm. or any of us really have. So you have all these new sensations and new things happening, but it's identifying what what is that? What 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 is this one feeling? Is that because of the rack pinion? Is it the tire? Is it the suspension? So many different things. Is it the aero? Um, I'm sure had people way smarter than I am on here talking about this stuff, but well, there's a lot to it. And yeah. for me being you know the guy who was who likes. I think I was fairly involved with my late mile program and understanding the odds and ends of what does what, you know, growing up that it's a bit overload if you let it mm. be. But I've tried to, 
and for the most part, I've tried to separate, right? Be kind of like you said, some of the weight off of me, just let me go get, let me go drive the thing, give you the honest feedback and let them do their work. And I think that's something at the cup level as a driver, I mean, the good ones still have a very close relationship with their crew chief and, and the, the good ones are always going to figure it out. Sure. But trying to not overload yourself with too much information. There's a lot of information with this new car that quite honestly, what you think, you know, today you do one more test, that's going to change. So yeah. I really haven't tried to immerse myself too much into the odds and ends of the cars right. as much as just trying to figure out why is, what am I feeling? Help me identify that. And then how can I be better to adjust to what I'm feeling? So a lot going on at new cars an exciting time. It sure sounds that a lot of good things going on in Daniel Hemrick's life. And uh, we want to finish things up uh, just talking die cast a little bit. Uh, I believe it was 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. Yep. We had you on our, our YouTube show, the fix, and we handed off your very first die cast. The first one that's ever been produced with your name on that's it. That South, that South point uh, Xfinity series car from a couple of years back. And uh, where is that? Is that still at the house somewhere? It is. It is. Yeah. So, um, you know, since then, like we talked about the mailbox earlier, my yep. wife and I bought our first house. So I've got my little, you know, get up, if you want to call it upstairs, a ping pong table and some die cast right. and some. The man cave. Some, yeah. You know, and I hate saying that, uh -oh. but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, something along those lines. I got you. Um, you know, just some of my you know, most prized possessions and, and uh, you know, that's up there. It's, yeah. You know, that was really cool to experience that. So thank you all again for that. And it was, it was, you know, the, you never, as a kid growing up, like I had, had a great uncle who had passed and I'd never really seen many die cast till I was probably seven or eight years old. But I remember when he passed away, he had a collection that nobody in the family knew about. Mm. And my dad um, actually inherited the majority of that stuff. So next thing you know, we have a pile of stuff <laughs> in our house. I'm like, whoa, this is incredible. Like these, you know, it's Dale Earnhardt's last, you know, wind, wind car. And there's there's all these different just heroes and iconic schemes and stuff I had seen growing up. You know, from, from I, I feel like I identified a racing about three or four years old. But seeing to that point, you know, guys that, you knew were a big deal in our sport, even mm -hmm. at that young age. Like, they, they would mean they make a small version of this. Like, that was that was incredible to see. So, um, to be handed your own for the first time, you know, that's, you know, you can't put a, a price on that memory. So, I appreciate that. When when fans come up to you with a die cast, because we like to liken the die cast in NASCAR to kind of like being the jerseys in the NFL, right? It, it's like the high, yep. it's the collectible. It shows your passion mm -hmm. uh, as a fan. So a, as a driver, when a driver, when a fan comes up to you with your die cast, knowing that they spent you know a decent amount of oh, money absolutely. on something like yep. that, you know, what does that you know how does that make you feel about a fan's personal you know interaction and their passion for the sport when they put your t-shirts on and they have your die cast yep. with your name and your car on it. Yeah. To me, it takes that interaction to a different level, right? I mean, you know, for me, I try to, I try to have a conversation with those individuals like, Oh man, how long have you had this? You know, did you seek this? Was it, yeah. do you have a lot of drivers or, or, you know, what's the background? Why do you choose to collect what you collect? And, you know, I remember very vividly sitting down at one of my very first truck autograph sessions and being next to, Man, now I'm now I'm going blank. But it it, it was a uh, was it um a Hornaday or somebody? Mm. And I remember whoever it was that they had like trucks and diecasts that they were signing. Um, a fan had brought up, and it was from like years and years and years ago. Sure. And I remember having that thought: like, one, I don't have any of those. Mm -hmm. and two, how cool would that be? And fast forward to now, this time in my life, now I'm signing stuff that I ran three, four years ago. Right. Right. So now I'm, I'm not by no means Ron Horner day, but I'm sitting there signing stuff that people have collected for years. Right. And I'm seeing like that, that brings back memories for, for us. Like, yeah. so what I'm giving you a perspective is like from the drivers like that, 
that is so cool to be able to sit there within that. It may seem like 10 second windows. You're coming through a, through a, um, you know, autograph line and your driver just sign your car and, and off you go. Like, like that, those are memories. Like I'll think about for hours on end the rest of that day, or I'll go back and tell Watkins like, Hey, this cat had a, cat had a mm-hmm. South Point car. Yeah. yeah. And, and this guy had a, you know, smoke him out in my first cup car, yeah. or like stuff like that, like that, you know, that, that brings back humbling memories and we all like to be mentally put in a good spot and it always puts me in a good spot. So that's always, I'm always thankful for those moments. That's good stuff, man. Uh, you know, uh, we appreciate, you know, drivers like yourself that, uh, you know, put the work in and, you know, succeed on the racetrack. But, uh, you know, we have all seen at the racetrack, your personal interactions with the the fans and that. and that's and that's that's a tough thing to do these days well pre-covid we'll, we'll talk <laughs> yes, yes absolutely fan interaction is very limited these days but uh hopefully one day soon we'll get back to those autograph sessions and those autograph lines Guaranteed. and everything like that but uh um you know being able to personally connect, make eye contact, and and have even if it's just a brief ten minute or ten second conversation with the fans, uh, is that something that you have you know you have put a focus on to make to make sure that you have those interactions with the fans to to kind of connect with them on a different level than just quickly signing and walking away. You know, for me personally, I don't, I don't think I've necessarily you know made it a point. I think it's just kind of what you feel is right what you do yeah i mean i don't know if that's probably the most popular answer but to me it's yeah what feels right for you you know some guys don't have that luxury some guys quite honestly have so many they they feel like they have to sign and go sign and go right. and, and 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 i've experienced that at times but i promise you if, if the time is allowed and and the schedules and everything and all the ropes and different directions you're getting pulled by like bit of lines i i try to i try to make sure and i hope people feel this way and maybe not like Trying to make them know that they are that I'm, I'm thankful for them, and and um, it's been fun to have now a couple of years into this deal where you know people are still supporting you, and 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 you start to kind of build a relationship. Like, oh yeah, right. I haven't seen you since last sure. Montana, mm-hmm. or you know. So yeah, they definitely miss you know some of the interaction through our um, you know pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Hopefully, we get back to some of that, but you know, still feel the love, and hopefully, they feel it back. Bringing the golf clubs down to Daytona? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You going to get down out there and play a couple of times? <laughs> it's funny you say that. So we landed for the next-gen test at Daytona two yeah. weeks ago, I guess it was, and uh, myself and President Chris Rice, we – we went to the golf course race team. Went to the uh, <laughs> went to the uh, racetrack. To, that's okay. To kick. Hey, if you're with the boss, you that's can't get into trouble. Right. Right? That's exactly the way I felt about it. And quite honestly, we talk about separating yourself from what's good information, and what's not. Like I'm just going to be annoying people being there and asking questions. So right. um, I, I was there when it mattered. Good deal. Well, uh, Daniel, we definitely appreciate you stopping by here, and uh, we know you're you're a busy fellow this this time of year because you just got a couple of weeks till Daytona, and I know you got. Uh, so, are you excited to get to Daytona? Last question: Are you excited to get to Daytona, or is there still a couple of things that you want to accomplish in your off season before you head down there? No, there's definitely one huge thing that I have to accomplish, and that's uh, taking my wife on a little getaway. Good for you. Mm, I mean, good, yes. yeah, we've we've actually um, just celebrated our fifth anniversary, January seventh. Congratulations. And we both got got the whatever you want to call it going around. So oh, yeah, so yeah. we were quarantined and the whole deal um, during what we had a trip planned down to the Keys. So, oh, no. so we're not going to leave the country, but we have, we have a little getaway planned for the end of this month. That'll be our last hurrah before um, before we fire the season back up in Daytona. Back good, to work, good, right? Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, good deal. Well, uh, give our best to Kenzie and Ren for, for us, and uh, best of luck to you down at Daytona and for the entire 2022 season. And uh, 
we'll have you back on maybe this time next year and uh, celebrating a lot more cool stuff in your life. Yeah, hopefully. So I appreciate each and every one of you for having me on. Um, appreciate what y'all do for our sport. Like I said, you're building memories for drivers and fans and, um, you know, always love the stuff. So I appreciate it. Good deal. Daniel Hemrick, Colleague Racing Driver 2022. Look for him at Daytona in just a couple of weeks, and we will be back in just a quick moment here on Authenticated. Really cool catching up with Daniel Hemrick there, and uh, we're going to wrap things up on this week's episode of Authenticated with our last lap highlight of the week where we each individually talk about what our favorite thing was in the world of NASCAR and diecast or any combination of the two. And uh, I'm going to start things off with you, Alex. What was your last lap highlight? Um, Ryan Blaney and Austin Sendrick were at the Carolina Hurricanes game, I believe, over the weekend, and Blaney's paint scheme was released on the ice. So that was that, really cool. That was a really cool way to unveil it. And uh, it's also a month until the Daytona 500. Wow. That's exciting. That, and that Blaney car, too. If by the time that this show airs, if that's not released, hopefully it will be very yeah. soon. So it uh, looks really cool. Uh, I love that paint scheme with the black. Yeah. yeah. Black. It's kind of got ghosted checkered flag mm-hmm. pattern in it. And uh, it's a really cool one. So if you Blaney fans will n- definitely need to add that to your collection, Alex. Oh, I will. <laughs> Don't you worry. All right, Michelle, what's your last lap highlight? Well, we uh, last week got in uh, the first prototypes that showed the chrome door numbers on the new next-gen cars. And I think it was fitting that we got in the Wood Brothers car first. It was Harrison Burton's car with the gold 21. The Wood Brothers historically ran chrome numbers, and the chrome numbers look awesome on the 24 scale with the gold. I mean, the whole decorated next-gen car looks great we were really pleased with how they look there's some minor changes that we're going to make but those chrome numbers are sharp so we're excited that some of the teams are going to be running those all year but um that wood brothers car looks fantastic with the motorcraft paint scheme yeah no it's it's classically modern right Right. the the wood brothers with the forward number and the motorcraft kind of extending over the quarter panel and all that so um really exciting and i know you fans want to see that and we will be showing it to you very very soon we will show you these first looks at some of the decorated 2022 next gen diecast. and uh for my last lap highlight i'm actually going to do a, a a double dip here uh the first one was uh, we touched on earlier ryan priest uh, a good buddy of mine for a long time kind of getting a deal with shr and going to run truck series as well as some cup series races and xfinity races in 2022 as well as running his modified uh, a bunch too uh but i want to give a you know I, I know we don't do midget racing or anything like that but i want to give a, a shout out to tanner thorson for winning the chili bowl the biggest midget indoor midget race of the year and uh also want to give a shout out because my daughter was a huge fan of hers watching the race we watched i watched it with the kids the next morning because it was on a little too late uh but kaylee bryson uh becoming the first female to qualify for the chili bowl my daughter isn't really a race fan but when you talk about females in anything she's all about it so uh kudos to kaylee for uh, uh qualifying for the chili bowl and putting a good run there in tulsa oklahoma so uh those are my two last lap highlights of the week and uh we want to know kind of what you're thinking here on Authenticated. So get in on the action. If you have some ideas of things that you want to hear from future episodes of the show, maybe you got some questions about things that we can diecast related that we can answer on future episodes of the show. We want to hear from you. So please use hashtag 
easy for me to say, right? Please use hashtag authenticated fan on social media so we can see those questions, see those requests, and address them as we are able to here on future episodes of Authenticated. But uh, for now, that's going to wrap things up. For Michelle and Alex, I am Matt. We appreciate you tuning in, and we will catch up with you next time on Authenticated. Follow Lionel Racing on Twitter at Lionel underscore racing. On Instagram at Lionel underscore racing. And be sure to like Lionel Racing on Facebook. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.